Welcome to Gleaming the Tube, the podcast where Kevin and Mike watch a film in which somebody rides a skateboard at some point. Finally, a podcast where people talk about movies. Hello, Michael. Hello, Kevin. So 2009 Street Dreams, it's produced and written by pro skateboarder Rob Durdick, and it tells the story of young Derek Cabrera, who, who just wants to skate, man. He's just out there. His parents don't want him to skate. His school doesn't want him to skate. His girlfriend doesn't want him to skate. He just wants to skate. Will society win or will skating win? We're going to find out. Skateboarding always wins, Kevin. So this was like this movie was kind of an interesting curio for our listeners who may not be aware. Where does Rob Durdick fit into the kind of overall milieu of the skateboard world? Man, I have a lot to say about Rob Dyrdek. He's he's one of those guys who is like a, 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 a he's exactly my age and he came up in skateboarding during the time where there was all, you know, he, he's contemporaries with guys like Jason Lee, who we talked about last week. And he was on one of the coolest skate companies around in the 90s named uh, Alien Workshop and just sort of like came into prominence because he was kind of a, a, a he had a really interesting personality and did well on camera. But the interesting thing about Rob Dyrdek, which is, and it's sort of the opposite of, of all the, all the other pro skaters we've talked about that, that kind of got gained any modicum of fame is that Rob Dyrdek kept his concerns and his, you know, all of his concepts deeply entrenched in the world of skateboarding. Whereas, you know, Jason Lee was a really, really well-respected pro who kind of started out in an indie film world, but then became kind of a major actor, you know, like kind of left the world of skateboarding behind. And guys like, you know, we, we touched a little bit on it with, uh, with Gator it was like guys who sort of started becoming associated with hanging out with famous people, but were not really famous themselves and kind of made themselves look foolish with Rob Dudek, like he built this sort of an, this entire empire, and uh, uh, until pretty late in the game, it was all completely based in the skateboarding industry. He had, uh, you know, he had a TV show where it was him. It was a, a him and his sidekick was his his bodyguard, who you know the the concept was that he he had hired a bodyguard to stop bodyguards from stopping him from skateboarding. And it started as a sketch in a, a, a video called the DC video, which would be the video I would check out as almost a companion piece to this to this movie. Uh, it's a it's a it's a very much a video of its time, and it's from uh, the shoe company DC Shoes, in which Rob Dyrdek is really uh, prominently displayed. But he goes on to get a TV show, and then another TV show, and uh, he also went on to um, help establish the Street League contests which were you know skateboarding contests where the, the, the you know the biggest prizes in the industry uh where it, you know in the x games if the, you know the the first place winner of the x games would get 10 grand and on street league if you won all 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 the contests in the series it was like a million dollar purse his main concern was not letting the money leave skateboarding he decided that he wanted to write 
a movie where, you know, where skateboarding was featured that was done from really inside the industry. And the sad thing about it is, is that, you know, all the camera guys and all the, all the skaters in the movie and all the act, they're all from the skateboarding industry. And it's possible that that's almost its downfall is that, you know, somebody like Jonah Hill, who was sort of a, a bit of an outsider in the skate industry, then, you know, became well-known in Hollywood and used his Hollywood connections to make a movie that was about skateboarding. Rob Dyrdek made a movie about skateboarding all from totally within the skate industry. In fact, I think he, if I'm not mistaken, he paid for the movie himself as an effort to keep it within the industry, which is awesome for the industry, except that it didn't make a very awesome movie. Uh, from what I could tell from reading about this, he did get some funding, but he went over budget and he paid for the overages himself. Sure. Um, yeah, I remember making a note while watching this movie that was basically, um, as actors, the people in this movie are really good skateboarders. <laughs> yes, yes. In fact, I think the funny thing, you know, I, my biggest takeaway from watching this movie and then and then researching it was that I, I kind of, I really like Rob Dyrdek. You know, he... He seems like, you know, if you've ever walked, watched any of his shows, he's, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't tap into that jackass kind of loudmouth asshole facade. He, he seems like an amiable guy who just wants to try and do things. And he, and in real life, he's, he's become a really successful entrepreneur that kept a lot of his money deeply involved in skateboarding for a long time. And the fact that he even cast himself as kind of the heel in the movie and does a pretty good job, I think, of of holding his own as an actor. You kind of walk away from it like, I, I kind of got to love this guy, you know? He, uh, the, the company I mentioned earlier, Alien Workshop, when it was going out of business, you know, he was one of their first riders when they were established in the in the early 90s. And he kind of came in and bought the company back and then put it back in the hands of, you know, it's now like a, it's once again, an independently owned skate company. Now it's not owned by some shell corporation. And he made that possible. You know, he kind of swooped in in the 11th hour and uh, kind of saved the, you know, the company that he had been skating for, for his whole career. And I, I don't know, it's, as it, I guess I would say Rob Dyrdek is as good a guy as this movie is not so good. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. And you had mentioned Jackass and uh, the late Ryan Dunn has a role in this movie, too. He doesn't do a lot of skateboarding in it. He kind of just plays their weird Hesher friend. Yeah, I don't think Ryan Dunn was a, was a skateboarder. I, I think he kind of filled the character of the well. And, and so that's the other the other endearing thing about the movie is that a lot of the sort of the tropes in the movie are are. They are from a very realistic perspective within skateboarding. There's always the kid who ends up sort of the the term is piling out, like doesn't really skate anymore and just hangs out and kind of gets high. And then uh, there's also the, the, you know, I was really thrilled to see the character who event, who becomes the filmer kid. Cause as a, there's another archetype is a kid who's not really good at skateboarding, but is good enough on a skateboard that he can film. That was played by Adam Wiley, who was uh, an alumnus of Gilmore Girls, which I was pretty excited to see. And then Rob Dyrdek's character is, you know, it's a kind of a cliche in the skate world. It's like a guy who's kind of getting to the point where he's he's aging out a little bit and he never really got any real sponsorship, but he's still really, really good and has a chip on his shoulder about it. And then, you know, you've got Paul Rodriguez's character, Derek, who's like, you know, the kid, the kid who's going to obviously get noticed. So all of that plays out kind of nicely as a, 
I, it, it was certainly a movie made a hundred percent for skateboarders. I think so. I think even reading like interviews with Deirdrek at the time where he's kind of like all these skateboard movies that I've seen just get skateboarding wrong. So I'm going to make a movie. And I think he got, uh, he looks like he seemed to get all of the skateboarding stuff, right. It was just kind of the making a movie stuff that is lacking. So I, I guess we're still waiting on what's going to combine the two. So I would say that the movie that did just that was mid nineties. I thought mid nineties was mid nineties was a really, really well done movie with really, really well done and uh, era accurate skateboarding. So I feel like we got there. It only took a few years later. And that, well, that's the other thing is that this movie was made in like 2008 and nine. And man, it is a accurate snapshot of skateboarding in 2008 or nine. The, the Tampa contest that they, they all attend in reality, in real life is a, is kind of the make or break contest for, uh, they have a professional one and an amateur one. So to, to make the pilgrimage down there for, for all those guys and to, and to like uh, make a good showing in that, in that contest was, is, is a, a, an accurate to reality depiction of kind of the, the things that can happen for you. If you, you do well in a contest like that. What excited me about the contest scene was up until the contest, I thought the music in the movie was terrible. Right. It was all this like, like, awful rap rock and then suddenly they get to the contest and you're hearing don't sweat the technique by eric b and rick him and i was like finally and it seems like the music in the contest like stayed good until the end of the movie well and that i think that's where the reality comes in because i i actually so if i'm not mistaken a lot of that was filmed uh during a tampa am in i think 2008 i think they like they showed up and and you know had all the kids stay as extras um and I think, and and there is one thing that's always been uh, almost permanently certain in skateboarding is that at skateboarding contests they play good hip hop. They kind of always have. Uh, they always will. You know, it just it it's so you it would be very likely to hear exactly those songs at that contest. Um, I also thought it was a really nice choice to make it so that he didn't necessarily win the contest with the with the crazy trick that he did but that it you know it certainly garnered him a lot of respect that there sort of was echoes of um tony hawk trying to do a a 900 degree spin in the air at a at a contest in the in the 90s and sort of everything just sort of stopped and people kept watching him try to make it because it was sort of it was like everybody sort of was marking history and that does have a tendency to happen at skate contests. If somebody's trying something incredibly difficult, the, the contest will kind of just allow it to unfold because if they land it and roll away, it could be sort of a history making thing. And in skateboarding, the the only real currency you have is tricks. And so it is, it is, that was very real true to life that the, the, the kind of the contest would just sort of grind to a halt while, while this kid tried this trick. And that trick was invented for the movie, right? Kind of. I think at the time, uh, skateboarders tend to, to uh, tr- uh, concern themselves with what we call NDDs or never been dones. And uh, I, you could probably, I, I would probably say that it was a, it was a, it was a never been done at the time. 
And it's funny because it's, skateboarding evolved so quickly that now that's a trick that you could do in the middle of a contest run and, no, and you know, nobody would really think it was I almost said nobody think it was anything special. It's still an, an incredibly hard trick, but the the consistency levels that some of these kids are, are garnering now, you know, you it wouldn't be like a showstopper trick anymore. Only, well, I guess it's a decade later. So it's funny how time moves, Kevin. <laughs> I'm talking about it like the, the movie came out seven weeks ago, but it is a decade old, so. Well, I do. I do think it's a thing where there don't seem to be as many like fashion markers and things like that in in our young century. Or maybe I just don't notice it. But like stuff from like two thousand five or two thousand fifteen, movies uh, seem like vaguely interchangeable to me. Like some of the CGI's gotten better in the big action movies, but right in this movie, it was a much subtler thing. It was just like shoe choices and and the fit of all their pants was everything was still a little baggy when uh things have kind of slimmed down a little bit but i think i think you're right i think that trends and 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 sort of like moments of the zeitgeist have sped up to the point where it's kind of hard to really recognize they're almost more like little flare-ups than they are these like established trends but that might be just two old guys talking as well. <laughs> I think it's a little of both because like, you know, like if you were to do the signifiers of like someone in the nineties, you could do that or the eighties, the seventies, the fifties, the sixties um, for the two thousands. I'm not sure how different it would be like five years ago versus 15 years ago. Right. In, in skate in skateboarding, it's like I said, it really is just the way their pants fit. <laughs> the characters in the high school have a lot to say about his pants fitting. They true. He's wearing those big baggy pants. That girlfriend is asking him why he won't wear pants that fit. That the jerky dude at the high school is trying to move in on his girlfriend who like kind of disappears from the film about 20 minutes in. I thought he was going to be more of an antagonist, but the antagonist wound up kind of being the Rob Dyrda character. Well, once, once, uh, once our main man chose skateboarding, all that stuff sort of fell into the background. It was, it was funny. That was like, it was another one of those movies where I was watching it thinking like, why didn't anybody write any of the characters to be like likable people? <laughs> you know, they're all, they're all kind of, fuck faces (laughs) i mean the stuff with the parents was you know kind of troubled kid 101 movie yeah all that stuff seemed real kind of boilerplate but which is fine you know the but again it makes it begs the question couldn't you have just made a really good skate video for that money you know like i i feel like it's a good point where it's like if you wanted to make a, a a feature length movie with really really accurate skateboarding you would think you would hire somebody to write the dialogue who's really, really good at making movies. Yeah. It was interesting too, that uh, Deirdre like four walled this, like it didn't really get a distributor to go to theaters. He would kind of tour around with it. I think do a signing and then show the movie. Like people would buy tickets and he'd do a little Q and a and a signing and then people would watch the movie, which is also basically what kevin smith does these days with a lot of his films right yeah i think he maybe he knew kind of what he had it was a very niche thing yeah which is the same as as i think the current kevin smith movies i think he has a core subset of fans who are down for whatever kevin smith wants to serve up but i i think it's hard to break out of that that core group. And and I and that's the interesting thing. And I, I think Rob Deirdre kind of wasn't really interested in breaking out of that core group, which is 
you know, it's been it's it's been a, an odd thing to see. He's kind of disappeared from both skateboarding and kind of all media now. I don't know if any of his TV shows are still in production in any way. Um, but uh, he's it, it was it was tough. I be, if I'm not 100 percent certain of this, but I remember he was on a talk show where he was kind of sort of he was sort of talking about being through with skateboarding. And I remember thinking that was sort of a bummer because he he did he really did do so much for skateboarding. You know, he he really did try to change the industry from the inside. And it's sort of it's sort of sad if he's sort of passed on to bigger and better things because he was a, he was, I, you know, I I wonder how many of my contemporaries would agree with this. But I really do think that he was really good for skateboarding in the modern era. Did you see this when it came out? Yeah. Uh, it it kind of represents like the, a, a sort of my missing years era of skateboarding. There was a time in the sort of like the early to mid 2000s where I wasn't paying as much attention to skateboarding because of uh, I was just interested in other things. And uh, when this movie came out, I had it was like a couple of years after I had kind of gotten really back into it. So I went to see it as a curio and it's a, I, <laughs> it's exactly what it was, I guess, you know. Yeah, dude, um, is this is this a well-regarded movie in the skateboard community, or or is it just sort of like a well, the skateboarding's really good, and the other stuff is kind of window dressing? For sure, I think that that's a yeah. It's it's like it's appreciated. You know, he put a bunch of pros in the movie, and I think everybody got a real kick out of you know seeing the Tampa Pro. I'm sorry, the Tampa Am on the big screen, and you know, I was I was particularly delighted by the the sequence where the Ryan Dunn's character is like going door to door to get the, 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 the creamers, the non-dairy creamers. And so each door that he, that, that, that opened was almost like a little, uh, like a little um, tribute to different pro skateboarders. Each one was a different pro. And uh, you know, that was him just putting his friends in a movie. And I think it was, I think it's like people, I think in the skateboarding industry, people are pretty affectionate towards the movie for just what it was when it came out. It starts with like kind of lines on screen saying there are 13 million skateboarders in the United States alone. 10 million identify themselves as street skaters. This is their story. What do the other 3 million identify themselves as? Uh, like, like that you maybe like vert vert skaters or ramp skaters. Uh, there's still a, you know, a pretty, there's still a contingent of people who only skate like man, like, like purpose built objects for skateboarding. Okay. And uh, Thrashin had its scene where it sort of poo-pooed breakdancing. And this film had its little moment where it poo-pooed rollerbladers. Yeah. Rollerblading and, uh, and, and rollerbladers and skateboarders famously do not get along very well. They, uh, they occupy a lot of the same spaces. Yeah, there's certainly some tension with the rollerbladers and the skateboarders, and I think it all comes down to the fact that if you ask if you if you if you ask me why skateboarding is the best pastime slash sport of the, I'm, I'm trying to avoid saying extreme sports, so I apologize if I'm if I'm waffling. I'm just trying not to say that. But if you ask a lot of skateboarders why skateboarding is the best of the of that kind of the, that type of discipline, it's because you're not strapped in anything. And the reason why rollerblading is so lame is you're you're wearing wheels on your feet, and so you can't technically fall off of it. You know the board the board is not stuck to your feet. It's all gravity and skill and leverage and friction and all those things together to make a trick happen. 
And if you're a snowboarder, you're strapped in. If you're a BMXer, you're holding on with your hands. And if you're a rollerblader, you got ro- wheels strapped to your feet. And it's just not as cool. Fair enough. <laughs> it's just uh, that's that's my argument. It's just not as cool, Kevin. I don't know. So, like, as someone who doesn't have the innate affection for skateboarding that you do, I, I thought this movie was interesting, but I didn't think this movie was good. Like, this is not a movie I would recommend. Yeah, I, I think that's totally fair. I think even as somebody who has a, a huge af- affection, have I mentioned that I really, really like skateboarding, Kevin? You not in the last three minutes. <laughs> uh, I think even for somebody who it, you know, it's it's a cure, it's a curio. You know, I find it just as interesting and and of a, the same quality as thrashing. You know, I mean, it's the skateboarding itself is obviously you know really, really realistically portrayed, but the the rest of the movie is sort of almost utterly pointless and not with a, and without a lot of joy. I would say. And uh, Paul Rodriguez, who I think is is in the movie as Paul Rodriguez Jr., he's the son of the kind of '80s comedian actor, right? Yes, yeah, he the the guy who was in Quicksilver. Yeah, he uh, that is his son, and he was uh, that was kind of it was. I don't know that I would say it was kept quiet at the beginning of Paul Rodriguez's career, but it was certainly not really like talked about very much until one of the very first street league contests where Paul Rodriguez did really, really well. And his dad was in the, fa- in the, in the stands cheering. And it was like, Oh, that's, that's actor comedian, Paul Rodriguez. At least that's when I figured out what the connection was. And he is Paul Rodriguez is a really, really, really well-loved skateboarder and uh, has, has aged into a very seasoned pro who owns one of the best companies out right now uh, as far as just the, the the pool of talent that they have he owns a skate company called primitive skateboards and man oh man did he stack the deck with that with that lineup i gotta say it's uh his acting was not fantastic but he has decent screen presence sure he he had a laid back kind of you know it's always funny to watch people who aren't really actors never seem to know what to do with their mouths or faces when they're, you know what I mean? When they're not actually saying words. So a lot of times when I'm watching a movie with people who aren't necessarily actors, I tend to watch them in the scenes where they're supposed to just be like in the reaction shot. And I felt like Paul Rodriguez and Rob Dyrdek actually both did a pretty good job of just being on camera without looking like they were trying to chew their own faces off. So did you watch the, the Rob Dyrdek shows when they were on MTV? I did. And I did because they featured a lot of skateboarding, especially. So the first show was Robin Big. And then he had a show called The Fantasy Factory, and The Fantasy Factory was essentially a large indoor skate park with, like, office space. And it's funny because there's a – in reality, there's a very similar uh, place we – I think we talked about it last week called The Barracks, which is, like, a it's this beautiful, perfectly built skate park that's, like, sort of functions as a place to film pro skateboarders. And they do, like, a – they do sort of a, a – in skateboarding – in fact – they play it in the movie. They they have a game called skate, which is essentially uh, like horse and basketball. And they, they actually film this really big like contest series of the game of skate in their facility. And so Rob Dyrdek's fantasy factor is sort of like the televised version of that. And, you know, I would watch it because you would get pro skaters like Paul Rodriguez would just show up and then him and the other, his, the other guys that he had in the fantasy factory, like his cousins would all skate and they were really, really good skaters. 
So it was like a, just an, an additional source of skate footage, you know, young Ryan Sheckler, who also has a, a pretty sizable speaking role in this, in the movie, uh, Street Jeans, you know, you would, was on the show multiple times. He was kind of one of skateboarding's like weird first reality stars in a very unfortunate uh, reality show about his life as a pro skater. But yeah, he would show up. I'm sorry, I went off on a tangent there. You know, you would see a lot of skateboarding, I guess is what I'm trying to say on his shows. And then their show Ridiculousness, which is essentially Tosh.0, he, he also focused a lot on skateboarding, like, like, slams and falls and you know it was like america's funniest home videos with with skateboarding um so yeah i did watch a fair share of that stuff yeah so i think uh i think we covered a lot of deer dick level ground there so yeah i i felt i felt like it was it was a fun movie to watch as a skateboarder and not very necessary at all (laughs) other than that just the sort of film we like to feature here at Gleaming the Tube. At some point, we're going to have to talk about his appearance as a skateboarding pimp in the movie Righteous Kill that also features Robert De Niro and Al Pacino and is also not very good. <laughs> Cannot wait. That is going to be fantastic. I also did want to mention that the, the company that he ended up on Alien Workshop was founded by one of my very most favorite skateboarders named Neil Blender. And he was one of the first skaters I ever saw who was like sort of a super kind of artsy weirdo guy. And I really, really related to him. He was also sort of prominently featured in, in some of those Powell Peralta videos, even though he never rode for Powell Peralta. He just was, his antics were so, uh, were, were uh, so infectious that they just included him in the, in the video. And he was great. Like how, like how Redman isn't officially part of the Wu-Tang clan. That is exactly right, Kevin. It's the, it's a very similar, uh, it's a very similar uh, situation as to that. But he's always there. But he's always there. Oh, hey, Mike, I got to plug something. Go for it. So last week, I was a guest panelist for Dragon Con's American Science Fiction Classics Track Quarantine Panels. Uh, I was on a panel called As You Wish I Know, which is about the famous couples of genre fiction, uh, like science fiction and fantasy. And you can see that on the American Sci-Fi Classics Tracks YouTube channel or their Facebook page. So go check that out. It's a really fun discussion. I talk about John Sheridan and Delenn from Babylon 5. I talk about Steve Rogers and Peggy Carter from the Marvel movies. And I talk about Xena and Gabrielle from Xena Warrior Princess. Well, that that's a conversation that sounds right up your alley, Kevin. I, I know... I know you're a zine, a zine, uh, I was trying to, <laughs> I know you're a Xena yak. No, that didn't work at all. Sorry. I think at the time I haven't kept up, but I think at the time I remember on the internet, Xena uh, fans referred to themselves as Xenites. Xenites. That, that, that rolls off the tongue a lot better than Xeniac. Thank you for listening. Our website is gleamingthetube.net. We're on Facebook at Gleaming the Tube, and our email is gleamingpod at gmail.com. Production assistance by Liam Gray. Music by Kissing Contest. Skateboarding is not a crime. Skateboarding is not a crime.